Good afternoon and welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block, hosted by only three of us here today, but it's the best three of us. Just don't tell anybody who said that. That'll be Ed M, Mike, and myself, Steve. Welcome. Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Hey, gentlemen. I'm well. How are you, Mike? Good. We may have to change that opening to late afternoon. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Well, we'll have a meeting about it and maybe study, have a study committee and we'll make recommendations and then we'll figure it out. But there was one story I don't think we got to it all last week, which I thought was a pretty big story, which was Biden mortgaging all of our health care to the World Health Organization. Yeah, I saw that in our show notes. It was out there last week. Um, it sounds like a pretty big, as Biden would say, effing deal. Yeah, you want to give some details on that one? Because I didn't see that. Okay, so my understanding is that it's a deal that about 180 countries are going to make with the World Health Organization that gives mm -hmm. them the right to declare a pandemic. And then it gives them the right to determine various measures that have to be put into place, like forced vaccines, maybe um, not sure about lockdowns, but other things. And basically, you agree that once they declare a pandemic, you have to listen to their rules, no matter what your rules are. And apparently, he's trying to do this without making it a treaty, since obviously, he'd never get, you know, two-thirds vote in the Senate for it. So he's trying to pull something off here. But it seems like a pretty big deal if he could pull it off. Now, again, I don't know if states could fight it. I don't know what would happen. And did you it reminds me of a proposal that ha that Obama tried with guns. He tried to create an executive order and he even floated the idea in 2009 of a treaty when he had control of the Senate where he would implement gun control by way of international treaty, even though the, the House wouldn't pass it and he didn't think it could pass the, the Congress. Um, so the left has been trying to circumvent constitutional limit limitations through foreign agreements and executive agreements and, and treaties, at least since Obama. And, and it's it's a frightening prospect. Very. Um, and again, because he's doing it as an executive. It, I mean, I know people in Congress are, you know, making a little bit of noise about it, supposedly. But there's not a heck of a lot they could do if he just wants to go ahead and do it. Because as we all know, even the things that presidents say they absolutely can't do, they somehow wake up one morning and can do and do do. So, I mean, it, it's just symbolic of how leftists hate America, hate everything we stand for, um, obviously are totalitarians, um, but, you know, willing to sell out the country to, to sell out our sovereignty um, to globalists. Right. And that's the path that they see towards total control. Yep. Everything is the one, other, one other shining example of. Yeah. Everything sort of goes towards let's give up our sovereignty. A, because like you say, they hate our country, and B, because globalism where is is where it's at, because apparently each individual thinks they'll be the ones at the top of the food chain. Mm -hmm. And they don't think they'll be eaten first. And I guess it's all ironic in um this time period where literally every day there's another, I don't know, revelation, admission, confession, or expose on the fact that every single thing about COVID they lied about. Um, 
So whether now the origin thing is the big story for the last few days, but obviously the vaccine efficacy um, versus natural immunity, the lockdowns, the masks, every single thing is coming out more and more and more that they lied about. And yet still, we want to give up this control. I just saw right before the show, MTG apparently is running some kind of ad about Fauci has to uh, be brought to task and take responsibility or something. I can't imagine that happening. But and apparently, so the left is saying, well, it's just the Department of Energy. What do they know about it? But they're ignoring the fact that apparently the FBI is saying, oh, yeah, we knew that. We, we kind of always knew that. So speechless there, Stephen. What did I? Yeah, Here they're still, they're not doing masks. So I was in a dentist's office and a pathometrist office, no masks, but in medical offices still they are. What, what's it by you guys? Um, slow, I mean, at this point, I'm happy to say the last time I like, took my kids to the orthodontist, I'm like, no, no masks? Oh, really? Okay, so we acknowledge that the virus acts the same in every uh, other place on earth, okay? so But uh, generally, if you still step into a doctor's office, they, they make you throw them on. So in Jersey, how about in North Carolina, Ed? Um, doctor's offices, it's hit or miss. Uh, a lot of doctor's offices will have an official policy that you have to wear a mask, but they don't enforce it. Uh, I went to one doctor's office in the last, uh, since the beginning of the year. It's, it's March 1st today. It's sometime this year. And they actually had a sign up saying, we don't require a mask. You don't need a mask. And I went out and I personally thanked the doctor, not yeah. the not the receptionist. I talked to the doctor. I said, I'm glad that you're that you're enforcing this policy. I'm glad that you're acknowledging the medical science for what it is. And I wish more doctors would speak out for you like this. Um, but uh, doctor's offices, it, that's the only one where I've seen something like that. Hospitals, on the other hand, are all pretty strict about requiring masks. Mm -hmm. Now, the doctor you went to, is that a freestanding practice or one owned by a hospital? Uh, good question. I believe it's a freestanding practice. Because mm -hmm. that seems to be one of the determinants. I don't know if you guys saw the article I shared yesterday, which I think was one of the greatest takedowns of our used to be medical system I've ever read by that long term doctor who literally walked out of a doctor's office because the doctor was only staring at a computer the whole time. But I just thought and he spoke a lot about this also, how there's no more, you know, private practices where people determine what they do with their time, et cetera, et cetera. Now, horrific the whole system's gotten and how right. impersonal and how no doctor gets to make any decisions for themselves. So the only prayer is to find a doctor who actually has a practice. Yeah, good luck. Right. Right. Especially are, are doctors asking to be to, to act independently? I mean, so many of them have been so complicit in the COVID insanity. I mean, we're talking masks now, but I mean, how many of these doctors forced their 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 staff to get vaccinated? Right. And, and of them. like somebody said, the question was the minute you said boo, they went after your medical license. So if you got a mortgage and a family, et cetera, et cetera, and then they use that against you and say, but nobody protested. Well, it's just like nobody published anything in a peer-reviewed journal. That's because you refused to pub to uh, publish it in a peer-reviewed journal. So well, and and they played that same game with with climate gate with the you know with climate change. 
You know, the climate gate, the East Anglia emails in 2010 revealed that they corrupted the peer review process in the exact same way. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I want to get too much into LGTBQ, whatever it is, plus LMNOP, but that's really what they did in the world of psychology and psychiatry is when they changed the rules on all of those paraphilias. And then they went to everybody and said, if you dare speak up, we will wipe you out. And then they said, gee, nobody's speaking up. Everybody must agree with us. And then they just kept moving that goalpost forward. Mm -hmm. So that's a time-tested um, method. It's shut up the opposition and then claim there is none. Yep. So um, that's one of the stories that I had wanted to touch on. What, what do you guys find to be the bigger stories of the week? I think the biggest story of the week is just the continued uh, fires and de train derailments throughout yeah. the country. Um, it's almost like we're, we're subject to attack, but in this totally decentralized kind of way and without anybody taking credit for it. Yeah, it's all very odd, right? I mean, it's just, I can't even put my finger on it, but the fact that this is happening and it's like, you know, we have to sit here and, and sort of put a tinfoil hat on again, you know, and, and, you know, talk like uh, conspiracies about it, but there's something going on. And it's first obvious question. Are there more or are we hearing about it more always worth asking? I mean, is there any data on that? It's a good question. Maybe they are just reporting it more now, I, but that would add that would beg the other question i mean if they're reporting it more now why i mean are they trying to are the media trying to create a a sense of panic a sense of doom a sense of emergency a sense of crisis i don't know so i heard somewhere um the number out there was a thousand derailments a year is the norm so is this because this one was a little more toxic is it because it's time to get biden but i guess you have to wonder they had four years of trump and we weren't beset with stories of a thousand train derailments so that was the definition of a derailment though. yeah i, mean, I know i mean uh, i mean a, a derailment, derailment might be just you know the track broke and and right. you know one you know one one wheel went off the track but the rest of the train stopped and no, no there was no crash i mean you'll even remember a few years ago Stephen, there was an accident uh in hoboken at, at the the train station there right the train went flying off the tracks and i think that ended up being human error but that that's that's a rare thing to have happen, right? Like only time in my lifetime I can remember the path train crashing and people dying, you know. Right. So I guess it's the question is why why they didn't report on it more during Trump. I mean, I always figured I don't think it was, happened. I think there were no problems during Trump's administration because Obama spent a trillion dollars on infrastructure. So I thought everything was fine. Um, which <laughs> nobody seems to remember where that trillion dollars went. That's like the New Jersey gas tax hike uh, a few years ago, fix all our roads. Uh, Didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow our roads and bridges are worse than they were from seven years ago. And, yeah. you know, there's a lot of near misses going on in airports, in, including incredibly yeah. recently. Um, you know, well, I mean, we it's, have it's, the best transportation secretary ever. So potentially two different factors. I mean, are we looking at sabotage? Right. I mean, that's effectively what we're saying with some of these train derailments and fires and everything like that. Or lowered standards uh, of hiring or lower standards with the airlines. 
And again, there was a great doctor on last night with Tucker too, talking about how they're lowering standards for for doctors because of uh, the hyper racialized stuff that's going on. I mean, it's just outrageous. So, you know, we're, equity. We're just, yeah, equity. 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 I mean, I'm lucky. Equity, most equity, of, equity means death, apparently. Yeah. Most of my life, all doctors were Jewish, so I never had a problem. They all looked exactly like me, but. <laughs> For some reason, you can't get better unless the doctor looks like you, which is the most beyond and beyond. Racist. It's racist. And it's, I mean, it's plain old stupid, actually. I feel bad because I recently picked up a doctor for a certain ailment who has a Hopkins Medical School diploma. And how sad that I have to wonder. Well, how recent is he a graduate? You know, if you graduated woman, 40 years ago, you'd be okay. It's a woman. I, I don't remember. I would say about 10 years ago, 15 years ago. But I feel sorry for her because let's assume she earned it, which is one out of a million people get to Hopkins Medical School. Um, everybody's going to look at it askance. And, and that's pretty sad. So, you know, speaking of Tucker, you also had another story in the show notes about how the, you know, McCarthy gave him access to the to the January 6th film uh, uh you know video and l- last week i think steven you you raised the question of why only tucker right that was and, my question last week yep and, and then this week apparently tucker is going to get to view it but he doesn't get to to video to record it or distribute it unless he gets special permission i wonder what the heck is going on i mean now, they, in uh, between you know mike lindell said he's going to file a lawsuit I saw that too. Because of my question. I mean, I don't even sleep on one of his pillows, but because of my question, if it's out there, it's out there, which I still don't understand why other news organizations didn't care. But yeah, was this bait and switch was just a straight up lie? Did somebody change their mind? I mean, saying to somebody you have access to, was it 4,000, 40,000 hours, whatever it is, but you can't like take anything. (laughs) I think it'd be interesting to see if Tucker addresses the story on his program tonight given that the news is pretty, I mean, as far as I know, I think it broke yesterday. Um, I mean, he didn't address it yesterday, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I'd I'd like to see if he's going to say anything about it. I I find it hard to believe, but not impossible to believe that Tucker would be complicit in any kind of cover-up. But who knows? I mean. Well, even if he's not complicit, does he have any choices whatsoever? Of course he has a choice. He could stand up and say, this is a sham. I don't need to see the video if you're not going to let me distribute it. And he could file the lawsuit that you're, that Mike Lindell is filing. But that lawsuit's only there if somebody's getting all of it. Mike Lindell's saying then it's public. Everybody should get it. But if no, there's because I mean, McCarthy's already made it clear that it's not classified and that it's not that. It, I mean, if, he, if McCarthy's already made the offer, how can they turn around and say, you know, under the Freedom of Informa- Information Act, we're not going to release it? I mean, what's the? I guess, I guess he could say I was going to release it, and then a lawyer came to me and said, "Not a good idea." I don't, I don't know, but I mean, we were pretty happy an- last week talking about it, and it does seem like they've cut it back drastically. So, the the question you asked is, what can Tucker do, even if he can't win, other than quit? I think that I think that filing that lawsuit, you know, filing a freedom of information request, having it denied, and litigating it and losing would be better than being complicit in a cover-up and being complicit in allowing them to pretend to be disclosing it when they're not. So aren't any of the J6 attorneys trying to pry out all this information anyway? Isn't that already in the courts at some stage? I don't know. 
So I don't know. And I don't know. I mean, the J6 defendants have a lot of trouble finding attorneys and the attorneys are working on a shoestring budget. They don't have a lot of money. I mean, that's going to be a whole nother, you know, gigantic litigation. You're going to have to fight the, the, you know, the house house of representatives probably. Right. Which would be sickening since we quote unquote control it. So, Supposedly. Yeah. What, what, what have they done so far for them since other than releasing some video? Right? Nothing. Again, I'm curious, what can they do? They can make hearings. They can try to, you know, propose laws. But they can't really. You know what? It's been two months that the Republicans have controlled the House. I think Mike's question is exactly right. What have they done? Mm -hmm. They've done squat. Now, did you see James Comer um, is getting a little bit of heat because apparently they they had asked for some of the Biden IRS documents or something, the tax business, and they've been ignored by, I think, IRS and maybe also DOJ. And then they were supposed to maybe send out subpoenas. And apparently he's not exactly in a rush to do that. And people started yelling at him, like, are you backing off too? And he, obviously we're all cynical. Anybody who follows politics, you know, are they looking at a way to get, climb off the tree limb that they really didn't want to be in in the beginning either? For me, the Republicans are guilty until proven innocent. Right. You just said that than I did. Huh? You said that a little bit more eloquently than I did. They 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 have a burden of proof. They need to show me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm I'm on the Republican side. I, I you know I'm certainly not on the Democrat side, but the Republicans have a lot to to show to you know they have a lot to prove, in my opinion. I guess one interesting question to me, I don't know if anybody can answer it, is who owns those recordings probably the the congress it was probably done by the by the capitol police and the, you know on on behalf of the um, congress right so why is it only up to the speaker i know supposedly the capitol police reports to the speaker but it just seems kind of weird that is he the only one who can say yes or no as opposed to senate uh the senate majority leader or as opposed to a vote of the House or as opposed to anything. Like, again, who owns it? So I thought we owned it. I'm sorry. Who, well, that's people, what I'm saying. I thought the people, the people owned it. it. It should be the people owned it. Yeah. So how did it happen that he's the, you know, the yay or nay? And there's no other voices in this at all. I mean, it is apparently conceded that the White House and that branch has nothing to do with it. And seemingly the judiciary has nothing to do with it. So it's just this Capitol Police own it, which is interesting. Um, and they have no relationship with the DOJ at all, correctly, because it's different branches. Correct. So I just wonder why it's only the one person of the Speaker of the House. And it is interesting that you're right. Why isn't the Senate involved? Do they only work for the House and not the Senate? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that one. Because, I mean, I guess there's no way to force a speaker to do something. Um, and the speaker does control the legislative agenda. So if the speaker doesn't want something voted on, the speaker can just kill anything from coming to the floor. Um, maybe it's just sort of a 
short circuit, you know, maybe it's just a, a you know, a shortening of that process. Mm -hmm. You know, if, the, if, if, you know, that they need McCarthy's consent or they need the speaker's consent in order to, to bring it to the floor. I don't, I mean, I don't know, but. Anybody uh, have um, an email address for Ed Snowden? Uh, I think it's Snowden at Putin.com. At gulag.com. Um, I guess it is kind of interesting. You know, I guess you guys also grew up, I'm a bit older than you maybe, grew up with the Pentagon Papers. Yeah. A, a little bit be before my time. It was. I was. I was little when it happened, but I remember then it was totally cool to steal classified stuff and publicize them, et cetera, et cetera. And yet here we can't seem to get a leak. Yeah. You know, Trump made a lot of mistakes, but and we talked about this one on the show when it was happening. He should have pardoned Snowden and he should have pardoned Julian Assange. And we talked about that, you know, in the days leading up to January 20th when he left office. And we I mean, Assange in particular, there, there was more talk that he was going to pardon Assange than than Snowden. Um, and and the Assange family was disappointed when he didn't issue that pardon. He should, you know, in retrospect, he that was a gigantic error on his part. I mean, you talk about all this big tech censorship. I mean, those two people more than anyone were respo are responsible for blowing the whistle on so much of this security state. Mm -hmm. And you know, I don't know. You know, we're get, we're getting ready to get into presidential campaign season, and you know, just it, it just infuriates me that Trump just never gets. He never takes responsibility for his mistakes and his supporters never acknowledge his mistakes. And, and I wish Daniel were here because I know Daniel would defend Trump to the to the end. And, you know, it's not like I hate Trump. It's not like I'm, you know, I'm, you know, angry at him. But, you know, that just was an awful decision and it it wouldn't have cost him anything. I mean, you know, I'm thinking, you know, Ed Powell, if he were here, would probably say that the deep state probably threatened him. But you know what? I mean, if he's going to if, if he's campaigning now on fighting the deep state, well, he better be prepared yeah. to, to deal with all the stuff they have, and he better be prepared to fight them, meaning right. he has to hurt, be willing to hurt them. If you're not willing to hurt them, you're never going to beat them. Mike, you were going to say something? No, no, I was agreeing with what I was said, saying. I mean, you can't be against the deep state and then cower in fear from the deep state. <laughs> doesn't it? doesn't compute. Well, you can be against it and cower, but then you can't turn around and say you're going to defeat them. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. I mean, no. if you're if you're running on a platform that says, you know, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to drain the swamp. Right. I mean, you can't you you can't credibly make that claim and then not take action against the swamp when you have the opportunity. Right. And you know, maybe he he misapprehended the 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 nature of the problem even in in the last days of his presidency. Okay. How about coming clean with that and explaining to us? Yeah, I made a mistake, and you know what? On day one, when I get into office, I'll I'll pardon Julian Assange, or maybe day two or whatever. I mean, you know, he, he should he he should. I mean, Snowden is a more complicated case now because Snowden renounced his citizenship and became a Russian citizen, so he's no longer got allegiance to the United States. But I, I just you know I, I, these are mistakes, and I, and I'd, I'd like to see him acknowledge the mistakes and and assure me that he's not going to make similar mistakes and that he is going to take on the deep state. I'm not convinced that he is. I'm, I'm convinced that 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 he can sell me on it, but I'm not convinced that he can do anything about it. Well, he's, since they say past behavior, I'm sorry, Mike. He's never going to admit that he was wrong about anything. 
Unlikely, yes. It's not going to happen. You know, one of my he's sad thoughts, to admit that he's wrong. Uh, don't, please don't use that word. He's he's been throwing it around way too much. Um, what's I'm just throwing it right back. Get him. Is when we talk about why Trump doesn't does or does not do certain things, I expect no consistency or logic out of him. So I don't even seek to understand why he would or wouldn't have. I think he's haphazard and it's kind of weird, you know, sort of like we say he's great for foreign policy because no one knows what he's going to do. I don't think he sees himself as needing to have any consistent, you know, ideological event. He spews, he does some things, he doesn't do certain things. He's he'll flip on a dime and, you know, whoever sucks up to him last. Apparently he's feuding with Candace Owens. I don't follow her much, but... And, you know, I think that he used to be good buddies with uh, the sanctimonious also. So I don't even expect Trump to have logic to what he does. And isn't that crazy? Not really. Super crazy. <laughs> What's that? Super crazy. Why would you expect that given his personality? Yeah, I mean, but that's really weird. So, you know, part of him will say, well, I can't run on that because then I can never win. Yet he's running on, oh, the next term I'm going to do A, B, C, D, and E. And like we always say, well, we're like well, you. Um, I mean, the problem is right now, I don't feel any momentum for his campaign. Uh, and yet the polls are saying he's up by 400 million points. And every day over, that over who? Everybody. He Biden? is so far ahead in the polls by so many numbers. I, uh -huh. These numbers don't even work out mathematically. He's so I mean, I've seen him ahead in Republican primary polls, but. Yeah. No, in the primary general election no the the primaries and there was one primary poll that had the sanctimonious up against trump but every other one he's like uh, up like he's on the total other end of the field which i don't get because i think i said this last week i don't really feel that way that he has that much support but i must be wrong i i don't i think I don't, you're I mean, wrong i, I mean I, i'm on desantis's team but i'm i'm willing to support trump I, mean, I, I can't imagine supporting him in a primary right now just because so many negatives. I'd rather go with anybody first term with more positives. I mean, I, it wouldn't surprise me if a third of Republican voters are strongly behind Trump still right now. And that's sad because out of that third, a certain percent will not vote for any Republican candidate that beats Trump. Well, I mean... Uh it's going to be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see how things play out because you're going to have. I mean, I, we assume DeSantis is in. It's Trump, DeSantis, and then it's the field, right? And who in the field is going to get out of the way? With the thought being, they don't want Trump, and you better throw your weight behind Ron, otherwise it's going to be the Donald again. I mean, I you know. I could see that happening. I and just it, don't it, see it, anybody else in the field garnering enough support to matter. Yeah, I mean, if you take 10% away, it can make all the difference in the world. You know, Nikki Haley was getting, what, 16% in, in South Carolina? I mean, you know, who do those votes go don't, to if not her? I mean, who? She's not even that popular in South Carolina. I, I I'm just saying, I'm saying yeah. you, you're going to have pe people that, like I said, even if they get 5%, it could be the difference between one guy or the other you know what i mean well i think trump is gonna push heavily on my people are gonna not vote if you don't make me yeah. the nominee 
and use that as a you know well yeah i mean that's that's a big concern right is that the uh the trump coalition decides to take their toys and go home Mm-hmm. Which is well, funny you know in what? light of uh, this debate thing that they're saying they won't let people in the debates if they don't promise to support the nominee, and it's not clear if Trump is going to make the promise or not. Uh, you know, it, it might not be the perfect analogy, but you know, last time around with the Democrats, it was clear that Bernie was inching ahead; he was ahead, and so they all decided to get everybody else out of the way and coalesce behind Biden to get rid of. It. I mean, something similar could happen in a roundabout way with DeSantis with. You know, a lot of Republican voters trying to coalesce around him to get rid of Trump. Well, I think that DeSantis, I mean, he's my choice right now, but it, he's he also he's a Republican and he's got things to prove to me. You know, when uh, Trump said when Trump threatens to take his toys and go home, DeSantis needs to be the grown up and say, you know what? We don't need things like people like that in the Republican Party. We're not going to be held hostage to any special interest, even one in our party, even someone as important as the ex-president. Well, Let him I, say that. And and you know what? He'll piss off the Trump voters, but he'll unite all the all the non-Trump voters in the party. Right. And, and again, you know, we've all kind of called for a robust primary. Right. Let's have it out. Yep. And no, I'm on the but, other side of that, just for the record. Are you? Okay. Oh, well, you are? Yes. You <laughs> guys mean, are on Bongino's side and a whole bunch of other people on your side, but I'm holding out. I, I, I think it's generally good to have a nice, you know, good fight in a primary. Um. I'm losing my train of thought, but <laughs> so. So I'll just tell you just from I was talking about DeSantis. Okay. So real oh, quick. Yeah. So, I mean, DeSantis, obviously, his record as governor is great. He looks really great right now. But I know this from politics. Everybody's got a, a history and a record. And I can guarantee you there's stuff that DeSantis did while, you know, in the Congress, et cetera, that's going to come out. You know what I mean? So I'm still, and I've been this way for a long time, I want any first-termer over almost any second-termer. Okay. Meaning? Anybody in the first term is still somewhat aware of the electorate. So if if each one of them has a question mark, I'll take the guy in the first term anytime. There's a little bit of feet to hold to the fire in the first term. There's none in the second. And I, I just know that, you know, I obviously voted for Trump, not that it matters in New York, but I was not particularly happy what he was doing with Ted Cruz. And I think it was Ted Cruz's father killed Kennedy. Was that the story? Um, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that was 2016. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, the first time around and, you know, the idea of Trump, what he's well up to his 70s, I believe, making up silly names for people. I just, <laughs> the sanctus. I can't, it's really, really hard for me to get past that. So <clears throat> if it's between him and Hillary, him and Biden, okay. But do we really need this? He, he's such a baby. I mean, this this is the, the problem. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure it's it's one of the factors. He's not president right now. It's, it's he, about, he declared it's his candidacy. Trump declared his candidacy on November 15th. Today is March 1st. So you have December 15th, January, February, three and a half months. What's he running on? What are his themes? You know, I mean, sometimes hindsight is 2020. And, you know, Trump is a guy who understands entertainment and getting ratings and everything like that. 
perhaps if he 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 had put that hat on, he would have realized coming out of the gates right after the midterms was not in his best interest. That he could have built up some drama by waiting and making everybody wonder, continue to wonder. Instead, it feels like there's just no mojo behind his campaign because, first of all, like right after the midterms till now is not it's not presidential elections. You know? he's, he's a bully at heart, though, and he wanted to try and clear the field and intimidate people into not That's running. That's ego. That's ego. But I'm saying, if he if he had put the the entertainer guy hat on, the apprentice guy hat on, he he might have realized he would have been better off keeping everybody in suspense and waiting for another moment down the road. Not to mention, well, but a lot for other people to trip on their own two feet. But along those lines, how long can DeSantis not get into the race before? He starts looking like a Hamlet. Oh, we've talked about that before, and he's got a couple more months, I would say. So, a couple is two. I mean, he probably has a couple more months, but I don't know how many more months after that he has. Yeah, I would say two or three, and then yes, then it'll start getting bad. On the other hand, he could wait more and more for Trump to self-implode. Who knows? You know, you got the the Romney side of the party, the Lindsey Graham side of the party who are really never Trumpers. I know Graham flits around with Trump. Um, and then you got the never Trumpers to the right of Trump, who don't trust him at all and trust him less this time around. For him to win in a general, it's not clear who he's pulling from. Well, I mean, the, the problem remains that any Republican still got an uphill climb in the, in the Electoral College. You know, Tr- Trump won because he broke through in a lot of those Midwestern states, Pennsylvania. Um, I mean, good Lord knows we can't afford to lose Georgia again. So, I mean, even if it is DeSantis, you're going to have your work cut out. I think I don't know if Trump has built up more enemies. Again, I only know my, my own brain a little bit. I think he has, and I think there'll be a few less people voting for him because he just leaves such a rotten taste. And if we have a choice, I think some people will just sit it out. I mean, there were a lot of people who were never Trump, but who sort of came together maybe, you know, a day before the election and said, oh, what the heck? So I don't know if they will again. But of course, I will admit I said Biden didn't have a chance. So that was probably my biggest error in political uh, prognostications uh-huh. ever. You knew Trump was in trouble just by the way Rush Limbaugh was talking during that election cycle. You know, that's when I just the way he was talking. I mean, the way he was getting on the air and and fighting for him despite having terminal cancer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's that's when I stopped listening to Rush Limbaugh for better or for worse, because there was no dialogue whatsoever in that area. I know that I probably, when you see me on the screen, this probably comes to your mind automatically and you're forcing back talking about it. I know I'm often mixed up with James Bond on the street. So I figured I'll give you guys permission to address that head on and what's going on with with the rewriting of James Bond. We're going to rewrite the transcript of this show. (laughs) We know what you meant to say, Stephen. What did I mean to say? What's that? We'll fix it for you. We'll fix it. Um, even I don't know Goldberg what it is. is coming out and saying you guys are going too far. <laughs> uh, Whoopi Goldberg, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I, I'm not sure what there is to say. I mean, it's like this this is wokeism. It's you know, it's it's fascistic. I mean, well, you know, I think there is something important to say for our secessionist friends. No legislation can fix this. This is just we cannot live with people like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they, if they if they're gonna not just censor books but rewrite books and and engage in intellectual theft and and vandalism, that's just not a civilized society. It's not. I mean, it, civilized society is not just that there aren't gas chambers. These people are 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 totally uncivilized and. You know, I just think that we can't live with them, whether we have secession, whether we have separation, national divorce. Did, we cannot live with people like that. Did MTG go back on what she said when she tried to explain away she didn't really mean national divorce, she meant federalism? I didn't listen to her firsthand, to be honest with you. But did she walk something back and try to weasel out of it? I mean, if that's what she said, certainly... <laughs> That sounds like it to me. I mean, you know, first it was national divorce. And then it was, well, no, I don't mean that. I don't mm-hmm. mean civil war. I've never known national divorce to be synonymous with civil war. But it, to me, it seems like she walked it back a little bit. And not sure why. I don't know if you saw the Newsweek story. It was a Newsweek story that actually went to talk to secessionists. So who did they go to? They went very appropriately to Daniel Miller of Texas. And then they went to some guy in Vermont that hasn't had a secessionist movement in many, many years, mm-hmm. overlooking two other states that are much more active in it. So I'm not sure why they did that. It's some Brit. And I'm trying to find out who he is before I try to write him an email that he can ignore. It's interesting. And Am I the only one who listens to Bongino? Yeah, I, I don't really listen to him too much. I mean, you can get his whole show in 15 minutes. Yeah. What you do, you double the speed, get rid of the live reads, and there's not a lot left. But yesterday's whole show was against national divorce, and it's a stupid idea, you know, with all the usual mm-hmm. bromides against it. And today it was more like, you know, I'm against it, but I get it. Like, we can't live with these people. And it just kept going back to all these reasons why we can't live together, kind of like what Ed is saying, to which I want to say, hello. <laughs> Well, a house divided cannot stand, right? I mean, it's pretty simple. You know, people say, well, you know, it's rural urban, but... They've so rotted away the foundations and supports of our society that I don't think the house can stand anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think... And I think to your point, Ed, I think there's certain things that you can't get away from because, uh, you know, certain, certain books are published by certain publishers. And unless those publishers decide to all move to New Hampshire when they secede <laughs> and go back to handling things in a, in a free way and not censoring things, uh, what are you supposed to do? Well, you have your own publishing. You have no control of Especially okay. with, you know, yeah, electronic I mean, they're publishing. Take, they're going to take all kinds of classic and historic works and, and, and change them all up. And you, you can't, let's say, buy the originals. You know, they're going to overdub all the James Bond movies, too, I, I guess, too, while they're at it. I mean, uh, well, we know for China, they actually do change scenes in movies. In contemporary movies, which is absolutely mind blowing. But I guess your kids can come home, you know, in 11th grade reading Shakespeare or even reading a James Bond book. I don't know what they read. And you'll be like, but did you read the original? Like I have in my basement under a bunch of boxes. 
yeah. but please don't tell anybody. I have the original where it actually said a word that you're not supposed to say anymore. And that's kind of where we are. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's insanity. And again, is it just a, a vocal minority? Probably, but how do you beat them back? Let's get laser on the show and ask him. <laughs> yeah, maybe if we stay at a late hour, maybe he can. I should I should have asked him. I think he stops working around 4.30 or something. Last we spoke, he had some interesting ideas. Uh, he always has interesting ideas, and he always says them in an interesting way. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, he, in a, a different type of eloquence than I strive to, I strive to have. What are you guys making of the uh, quote-unquote Murdoch deposition, this whole um, mess with Fox News and they were supporting something which they didn't really believe with the election? How bad is this going to get? Does it matter? Are they looking stupid? I can tell you, reading those, reading the articles about that story, and I read, I've read, I read all the ones you shared and I read some others. What's really perplexing to me is that the one way that you can be you can be guilty of defamation when when you're dealing with a public figure is when you admit if you admit that you subjectively entertain doubts or you actually believe that it was false. And Murdoch is Murdoch is admitting that they thought it was false, but that they were trying to uh, appease their audience and. I don't know what kind of legal counsel they have, but it's, I mean, unless, I mean, unless we're just seeing snippets and not just, I mean, you know, one of the articles talked about the the quotes being cherry picked, but I don't know how they could be cherry picked. I mean, you, as a lawyer, I would tell my, I would tell my client, I mean, you have to tell the truth, obviously, but the law is they can't sue, they can't succeed in their suit against you unless you publish something that you knew was false or that you subjectively believe entertain serious doubts about its truth or falsity. I mean, if you just, if you're just negligent, you know, if you just publish something without doing any due diligence, if you're dealing with a public figure, it's summary judgment, you win. You're not, the public figure can't win, even if the public figure shows you you were negligent and you didn't do your due diligence. They have to show that it was a knowing falsity or that you subjectively had serious doubts about whether the thing was true. So why would they be admitting that in a deposition? I, I don't understand. I, I don't understand their legal strategy or their legal counsel. I mean, it just sounds like they got terrible legal advice. You know, I mean, they could say, you know, well, you know, we were aware that some people thought it was false, but, you know, we thought it was a controversial subject and we wanted to present, you know, present it. That's an editorial judgment. They're allowed to do that. A newsmaker is allowed to be wrong. I mean, they're just not allowed to intentionally be wrong. This is a suit for tens of billions, isn't it? Um, I don't know. I, I know it was in the billions. And one of the articles I read said that the that Dominion had cut its its demand from the billions to less than a billion, but okay. or maybe cut some of the billions off. I, I don't know the numbers, but I know it was a gigantic amount of damages that threatened to bankrupt Fox News. And it could really hurt. Right. It's not write a check for $10 million and move on. It, it was a biggie. And is this going to implicate some of the talking heads on Fox? Are they coming out looking, you know, really, really stupid? I don't know. But I, I, I do want to remind us, 
I remember right after the election when Fox called Arizona for for Biden, Fox was bleeding not just viewers, but likes on Facebook, uh, uh, likes on Twitter. And we were doing a running count of that every week when we were doing our show. So, I mean, I remember that. And I remember, I I mean, it's totally plausible to me that they saw their audience disappearing and that they did this to save their audience. And you know what? If that's all, if that's what they did, then they deserve to be blown up. Honestly. I mean, if they, if they, if they're publishing known falsehoods, I mean, I, I just can't give them any better, more benefit of the doubt than I would give to CN, CNN or MSNBC. I mean, if you're if you're intentionally trying to use your platform as a media person or a media organization to misinform and disinform the public, I have no sympathy for you, honestly. I guess I'm naively wondering how condescending is it to not get up there and cogently defend your stance that it wasn't a stolen election and talk to people like mature adults and and argue your point if you don't agree with you know those of us who are wearing tinfoil hats so you're talking about the actual uh broadcasts or are you talking about the depositions where they no, could the broadcasters said- no, they're saying well we kind of knew it wasn't true but we did it anyway to you know keep our audience happy. Well, why don't you go to your audience and report on why you don't think it's true in a very mature, you know, eloquent fashion? Um, agree totally. And like I said, I, I cannot imagine, I, as a lawyer, if I had a client that told me that, I would tell I would tell them, if that's what you want to say in your deposition, we should just settle this case. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, they're setting themselves up to lose. Which is almost impossible to do. When you're suing a public figure, yeah. yes. So and he, when you're a media, you know, I mean, and when you're a media defendant, I mean, they're the defendant and they're, they're a media defendant. It's also almost impossible to sue a media defendant since New York Times versus Sullivan. And I mean, I have a lot of issues with that case uh, and with that whole area of law. I think that that's a big part of why there's so much disinformation and misinformation in the first place. I think it should be a lot easier to sue media defendants in particular. Um, and I think public figures should be allowed to sue more easily. But that said, that's not what the law is. And, uh, you know, if, if ha- Sean Hannity uh, in particular is the one guy I'm, I'm remembering, you know, said, you know, said what you just described, I think, Stephen. How could he have been? I mean, he couldn't be he couldn't do a deposition without getting coaching from from a lawyer. And like I said, I, I just I, I cannot fathom a lawyer that wouldn't let him know that if that's your testimony, then we need to settle this case because your testimony, if that's your testimony, we you're, we have a chance to lose this case. Now, the, the articles that you shared with us, Stephen, all indicated that these quotes are all cherry picked and that uh, Fox News is confident their lawyer is confident that they're going to win. And, and I mean, by by my knowledge of defamation law, and I know a lot about defamation law, they absolutely should win. Uh, it's almost impossible to sue a media defendant, and it's almost impossible for a public figure to sue successfully. So, it, it, other, but they, these guys seem to have given ammunition to Dominion that could be used to defeat to defeat Fox News. Mind blowing to me, right? And I think obviously to you, if a lawyer were not giving that advice 
he'd be doing a really, really poor job as a lawyer. So, right. I mean, right. you could probably well, try to I... sue a lawyer who didn't tell you this is not a bright idea. So I don't think Murdoch would need a lawyer to tell him that. I mean, he can't. I wouldn't think any of these guys. I mean, they're all they all know what defamation was. I mean, that's their business. Yep. You know how many of the they run controversial stories even on Tucker and and Hannity. They have to have legal. You know, they have to run things past legal. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm sure they probably run it through about twelve times normally. You know. Um, is it insane to say somebody's trying to tear the uh, Fox house down? Who's the somebody that you're speculating about? Internally? Well, let's see. The the Murdoch sons were, I wouldn't say accused, but spoken of, you know, wanting to destroy Fox kind of, sort of, at Mm -hmm. one point. And there may be other people. I don't know. The same people uh, causing the train accident. The same (laughs) Yeah, we we have to hope that that's not sabotage. I guess. Why? I mean, what do you what do you think? It what what would be better that that our infrastructure is so screwed up that we're constantly having these these fires and derailments? Well, I think our infrastructure probably is so screwed up because we really don't do much in this country. You know, if we start to build a subway car in this country, it's ten years and twenty times the price. Because between environmentalists and litigation, wow. we never even start building it forever and ever. So I don't know how we'd ever fix our infrastructure. Well, I, I tend to be more cynical. I think they... Wait, what? Well, more cynical than that? Yeah. No, I think... Whoa, I, thought I, I, was think, I think when it, when it comes to like roads and stuff like that, I, I think a lot of times they just make up work to do. You know? But so they don't do good the, work. The unions get paid off and, they, and you know, they're lying in their pockets and, you know... I mean, listen, you're in New, New York. I'm in New Jersey. There's, there's never a time on a major highway like they're not doing something. And, and I'm like, have you noticed that? And what, 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 what could possibly be wrong? You travel certain uh, areas like the Garden State Parkway, which can be a really nice road. You're, if you don't live in New Jersey and you're in the audience, you go down the, the Garden State Parkway down the shore. That's a really nice drive. There's always something going on down there. And it's like, it can't possibly constantly be something wrong. I just had a scary thought. I've came to New York the first time 46 years ago. That's a pretty scary thought. And we always used to say that even decades ago, there is never a time they're not fixing almost every single road. Yeah. So they got to find You know what, Stephen? Baltimore has never been the same since you left. <laughs> We're Baltimore. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I broke your train of thought. Go on. No, that's okay. My train was derailed as Buttigieg is what. And, you know, everybody's <laughs> saying for Buttigieg to say I lost my train of thought when speaking of a derailed train, you can't even buy such a moment on TV. How long before that one gets rewritten in the, in the notes? It probably has been already. You can't. Well... <laughs> This is not the Bash Biden show, but um, or white boy, but I'm not stupid. How many people can get away with that one? And forget about the nurse whispering in his ear or something. We are truly in cuckoo land where everything <laughs> is totally upside down. 
And other than self-sorting, if we can't have secession, I really think self-sorting is happening and is basically the only thing that anybody could do. It's interesting, you know, you guys following at all the greater Idaho movement? Are you familiar with it? A little bit. I mean, I'm familiar with it, but I'm not following it super closely. Yeah, I mean, it's actually getting a lot of traction. Um, I would say every couple of days, there's another story taking it more seriously. And it's pretty wild. I mean, in principle, it's a bunch of counties. I think it's like 13 counties who want to move into Idaho. Now, What's that? Oregon, right? Basically, I can't imagine Congress ever approving it. But the fact is that they're getting an amazing amount of counties behind this. And Idaho obviously is pretty in favor of it. So if this Congress needs to approve that, I don't know the answer. Both both states and Congress, two state lines, I believe. And why do you think Congress would oppose it? Why do I think? Yeah. Um, Because I don't think the leftists in Oregon would want it to happen. Now, the argument for greater Idaho is that it's much better for the leftists. They don't have to have these rednecks on the exactly. east side of the state making trouble for them. I mean, the argument's a great argument. I, I can't imagine them giving anything that in any way would benefit somebody on the right. And plus the precedent of it. Yeah. I think they'd be afraid of it. I mean, the proposal was written up. I've been, I wouldn't say I'm involved in it, but I'm pretty aware of it. We know who's behind it. And that, the that proposal would... was written up in tremendous detail how it's a win-win. Mm-hmm. It doesn't change congressional representation. I mean, it, well, it, it would change the electoral college. It would change the electrical, the electrical college in the sense, yes, you'd have, you know, maybe a couple more votes in one state. I mean, you know, imagine all of upstate New York separated from New York City. Can I please stop with, right there? With another state. Yeah, where would they go? Uh, if New York left, if, if upstate New York left, Hampshire. Is there any? Yeah, but they have to skip Vermont. <laughs> right. I know I got. I knew I was going to get that wrong. Yeah, who are they going to team up with? It's like there's nobody nearby. This like semi-normal. I don't know. Maybe you could get part of upstate New York to join up with parts of maybe Northeast Pennsylvania if there's anything normal there. Or maybe you just get downstate to join with Jersey or something. Mm-hmm. Hi, Mike. Wouldn't you <laughs> love that? Well, I think it's. I think Rockland County uh, might skew red. Uh, don't quote me on it. But. Possibly, possibly. But I think it's convenient that New York and New Jersey are just right there on the ocean anyway, and just need a little shove. Mm. So, or a nice big tidal wave. <laughs> so apparently, Greta Thunberg oh. is now out there yelling against wind, uh, wind power. Oh yeah. She noticed all the whales. Uh, I think I don't know if it's the whales. On, on the, or all the wind that she spews, how could she be against wind? Power? No. It, it, the left outlefting the left. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it, it just never ends. And it, it would be funny if it weren't tragic. Well, speaking of outlefting the left, how, how can we uh, finish up the show without mentioning Lori Lightfoot? Who? <laughs> Uh, the governor of uh, uh, the oh my god I meant, to, I meant to put that down yes she is she's a goner but you meant know, to put that on the top of the show notes and I totally yeah. forgot that is so, amazing was that predicted at all I don't know the I mean, there, was, there was a there was a large field and I, I'm not fully abreast of the story I think at least two people are, are headed to a runoff two I, are ahead of her and she's but out. she's gone. 
But I wonder if that was predicted now, to anybody. I, I don't know. I don't know. So forgive me for not taking it as a great sign because I'm just expecting another crazy wackadoodle leftist to take her place. And they'll be she, back. She is pretty process. extreme. It's going to be a little tricky to outdo her. I think they'll come close, but to outdo her is going to be. Maybe they can, you know what they can do? I just realized this is perfect. They should move the current press secretary and give her mayor of Chicago. <laughs> kind of like uh, Trump gave Nikki Haley the job in the UN to get her out of South Carolina sort of thing. <laughs> so, all right. Let's take five minutes to talk about whatever we didn't that we were dying to talk about, and then we'll close up. Uh, I'll nod to you, Ed. Fire away. Well, there was one story that I saw that I think our libertarian friends are going to enjoy, and they're going to like that I'm on their side for for a change, I think. <laughs> They'll probably faint, but okay. Yeah, could be. Uh, there's a case at the Supreme Court uh involving the constitutionality of the Consumer Finance Protection Board. Ah, yeah. And uh, this, is, this issue has been litigated numerous times. Every court has held that, the, that it's constitutional. The claim and the, ch the challenge is that because its funding doesn't come from Congress, but instead comes from the Federal Reserve, it's an, unconst it, it's an unconstitutional agency. Now, every court has, that has... Uh, held on this issue has said because the the Dodd-Frank legislation that created it mm -hmm. specifically grants uh the funding mechanism to be through the Fed that's okay and I I fully expect that the Supreme Court I mean I would love to see them rule it unconstitutional but there's a part of me that thinks it would be fantastic if the court reverses the Fifth Circuit the Fifth Circuit actually struck it down um and here's 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 what i think that the, our libertarian friends might like the the funding mechanism says that the consumer finance protection board is entitled to get i think it's up to 12 percent of the fed's budget well wouldn't it be interesting if if trump or desantis or some republican becomes president and appoints a head to the cfpb who says you know what we don't think this is your real 12% budget. We want it. We want an accounting. Let's audit the Fed. I think it's a way to audit the Fed through the back door. Now, isn't that set up that the president, I forget how they're appointed to run that, but didn't they kind of cut the president out of it? Well, I'm not sure, but how, who would appoint the head of the agency? I forget how they did it, but they made it like insulated from absolutely anything to do with democracy. Well, so I think the funding was insulated from democracy, but um, I I don't I don't think that the appointees are insulated from the from the president. F, what's it called? Consumer Finance CFPB. PB. I'm stuck on the other end of the alphabet. Sorry. Um, led by a single rather than a, let's see. Whew. Oh, come on. It's going to take too long to figure out. But I, I thought they pretty much insulated it. Let's see. Created under Dodd-Frank. And what's the structure? Led by a single director rather than a chairman and commissioners. The directors appointed by the president, subject to confirmation, 
only removable by the president for good cause. And I forget how many years they uh, have that gig for. Okay, so like I said, he gets the the director gets appointed by the president with approval of Congress. So I the mean, Republicans win the election in twenty four and and appoint some radical, you know, some person who's willing to to really take that shot and say, you know what, we wanted, we asked for twelve percent, and this they they gave us whatever they gave us. We think they're lying. We want an accounting of of what their finances are, so we can see that we're really getting our full our full fair share. That's a way to, to potentially backdoor an audit of the Fed. I would love to see that. Interesting. Yeah, it's a five-year term. Um, I can imagine a Republican trying to fire somebody in that position for good cause. It's about as likely as them uh, firing another FBI director for good cause. We'll see. Well, but even so, so what, I mean, if a five-year term, so when does the current term end? That I don't know. That's the one thing I didn't look up yet. I mean, even if but it was Yeah, a- it would be interesting if they actually got somebody in good um ed and mike are either you guys interested because i'll put in a good word if you want me if you if you want someone who's gonna bring that suit against the fed i'll do it in a heartbeat oh my lord that could be exciting maybe somebody should run for president on that (laughs) i have two checkered of the past i'd love i'd love to get that idea to desantis and let him know that that's a way to try and audit the Fed, even if you can't get the votes in the House and the Senate. Are you trying to say he's not watching us live on Facebook? I'm hoping, but <laughs> just in case he's not. Probably uh, probably watches the reruns. On <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up for today. Um, next right. week, be back the same time, 5.45 p.m. We expect a few more hosts, a few more of our regular hosts, and I wish everyone a good evening. <laughs>